This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 65. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we are going to Dunedin, Florida to talk to Pastor Andy Sorensen of Faith Lutheran Church. Pastor Sorensen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here, Nicholas. Help orient us geographically. We're in Florida. Where exactly in Florida are we? Okay, we are in Dunedin, Florida. It's a, it's a Scottish name, so it, it's not pronounced at all like it looks. But Dunedin is located on the Gulf Coast of Florida, about halfway up, uh, just about 45 minutes northwest of Tampa Bay. If you watch the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl uh, this February, then you know exactly where we are. Uh, we're about 15 minutes north of Clearwater Beach, another popular destination. So, and two, uh, maybe two hours west of Disney World, if, if that's your thing. I see. Good deal. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's your background? How'd you end up in Dunedin? Wow, it, it's a long story. I'm the son of a, a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, and and uh, moved around quite a bit as a kid. And then I went into the Coast Guard. I was kind of like maybe Jonah. I didn't want to become a pastor. I saw how hard my dad worked. And so I ran off to the sea in the Coast Guard. And uh, I was an officer in the Coast Guard for 22 years and lived in quite a few places, uh, all, all up and down the East Coast in Alaska and California, Seattle, and uh, even in the Midwest, Michigan and, and Minnesota. So it, it's pretty neat to have lived all over. In the Coast Guard, I did a, a lot of uh, surface operations, counter-narcotics in the Caribbean. I did uh, a couple wartime deployments over for the Gulf War One and Gulf War Two. And then I went to school for information systems technology out in California and went off to Coast Guard headquarters where I developed a number of uh, Coast Guard wide projects. Then I did uh, tech support. I ran some help desks up in Alaska. And then I was the chief information officer for the Coast Guard Academy. But while I was in California going to school, that's when I, uh, the Lord kind of hit me over the head with a spiritual two by four and said, hey, enough of this running you need to be a pastor. And I said, well, Lord, I'm committed to uh, six more years in the Coast Guard because of the education they paid for. And that's when I heard about the Delta program. And I started taking classes online, uh, pre-seminary courses. And then when I got up to a lot, it, it's really fascinating how the Lord works because I didn't, I didn't see any way to do this short of uh, resigning my commission, paying back the Coast Guard for the, the thousands of dollars in schooling I'd gotten and heading off to Sam, so, which isn't a good thing to do if you're, you've got three kids and you're in debt. <laughs> so, so, this, uh, so these online classes were wonderful. And then I got up, the, the Lord sent me up to Alaska, which allowed me to be a missionary. Uh, I worked for Alaskan Missions for Christ for the th three years that I was up there. And because of that, I was able to enter the Delta program, which is uh, meant for missionaries or people in that kind of environment. And But the seminary was ending the Delta program just when I applied. 
And so I was caught in the transition between Delta and SMT. And fortunately, they grandfathered me into Delta, so I'm a, I've received a general ordination instead of the SMP ordination. But that was exciting. And, and then the Coast Guard sent me to Connecticut, and I had to find a church to do a vicarage there. And then when I retired, I retired uh, the same year that I was eligible to be ordained, so I was ordained and ended up in a very small church in Groton, Connecticut. And, but one of, one of the advantages of the path I took to the ministry and being retired from the Coast Guard is it enables me to go to small parishes that could not otherwise afford a full-time pastor. And that was true with Groton, and that's true for Dunedin, Florida. And so uh, the, the church in Groton had about 20 people worshiping in it when I got there. And, and when I left, we were up to maybe 55 on a Sunday average attendance. And then the church here in Florida was uh, on the verge of closing or merging with another local church. And I was basically a Hail Mary for them. And I agreed to take a, quite a significant uh, drop in pay just to come down here and help them out. And it was wonderful to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm really glad I did. Uh, some, some terrific people down here. That's great. Tell us a little bit more about your time in the Coast Guard. Were you stationed anywhere for any length of time or were they pretty short deployments? Uh, the the first few years, it was maybe one. So I think the shortest assignment was one and a half years. But so I was up in Seattle for two years. And then I took an assignment on a Navy ship for a year and a half in Virginia. And then I went up to New York City for two years. That was really exciting. And then I went to Cape Cod for about a year that I, I had gotten out of the Coast Guard at that point and thought I was going to sell insurance for Aid Association for Lutherans. I wasn't a very good insurance salesman. And uh, so I got back in the Coast Guard and, and uh, I did that from Detroit, Michigan, where I moved in briefly with my folks uh, while I was transitioning back into the Coast Guard. And then uh, the Coast Guard sent me to Virginia again and then off to school in California for two years, Washington, D.C. for four years. And, and that's when I got to work on a lot of uh, programs and see how D.C. works and decided I never wanted to live there again. Alaska was pretty exciting. That was three years. And we were we were in Kodiak and Kodiak's got the I think the average temperature there is the same as Boston year round. So it's not as cold as maybe the interior of Alaska, but it's a, it's a lot like the Pacific Northwest in culture. So I see it's, it's pretty diverse, pretty neat place to live. And then I so four years at the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut, that that's a you know typical New England place. It, it verges on being part of New York, though, a lot of, you know, you're split between Yankees fans and Red Sox fans there. <laughs> and so, uh, but so four years with the Coast Guard there and then five years at the church there. That, that's the longest place I've ever lived in my entire life. So we thought we were going to stay there in, until uh, the Lord called us down to Florida. I see. So tell us a little bit more about how you'd compare and contrast some of the places. We've already talked about the culture of the Northwest a little bit, but how would you compare all the places you've been with Dunedin? Um, well, the the thing I liked about Dunedin, and we looked at uh, churches in several different parts of the country, but the thing I liked about Dunedin is when you, for for a guy like me who's lived 
uh, a lot of places for a short period of time, I, I don't always feel like I'm part of the crowd when I get there. And so when we moved to Florida, we noticed that there's a lot of people who aren't from Florida down here. So, so you got your flow grown people, your, your native Floridians, and we've got a number of those in the church, but by and large, most of the people are transplants. So the first thing most people ask is, hey, when did you get to Florida? And it's, it's a neat thing. Even on our name tags at church, we list uh, the last place people moved from. So it's kind of neat to see. And, and so that's a, that's a neat part of the culture down here is, is there's people of a lot of backgrounds. In New England, you, you're a little bit, uh, it's a little more secluded. Like when I lived on Cape Cod, you were either from the Cape or you were never from the Cape. It, it took uh, up to four generations to be part of that community. Wow. Alaska was, yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of hard. That made it tough, uh, especially to be in sales at the time. So, uh, so I, I really struggled with that. And, um, but my wife is from New England. She's she's born in New Hampshire, so we fit in pretty good with the New Hampshire crowd. And, uh, and now we fit in good down here because you know our quarterback came down to Tampa and helped Tampa win a Super Bowl. So everyone's excited about that. <laughs> Yeah, that that certainly helps. So let's delve yeah. a little bit more about into the area. What do you like best about Dunedin? I don't have to shovel snow. <laughs> so, we, did, we did a lot of that up north. Uh, Connecticut got hit with a lot of nor'easters. Alaska, certainly. Uh, I remember as a boy in Minnesota, the, the snow being up to the eaves on the house. So uh, there's certainly none of that down here. I do like uh, the beaches. There's there's a super amount of things to do here. Uh, if if you like water activities, there's that. Uh, Tampa's pretty close, so my daughter and I are, are big fans of the musical theater, and we've we've been down to watch Hamilton and the Stras Center in uh, Tampa. My oldest son is a big NHL fan, so we've gone to Lightning hockey games, which used to be affordable until they won the Stanley Cup, but. Uh, so now we got to shovel out a little more money if we want to see them. So yeah, a lot of things, and and like I said, a lot of different people. We've got we've got people from all over the country that come to visit us. We get people. We've had people from Germany. We've had people from Canada. A lot of people from Canada. There's a, there's it's a real global environment down here. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about how the the um, I, I hesitate to use the 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 term melting pot, but you mentioned like people coming from all different places. How does that begin to work itself out in the culture, or what does that look like in kind of in the day to day? Yeah, it well, it means your car insurance rates are higher. That's that's one of the downsides of being here. <laughs> well, because people don't know how to drive in Florida, or why? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the, the, Florida's got some great roads. Uh, unlike New England or the Midwest, with uh, all the potholes that that you get because of the winter, Florida's roads are great. They're nice and wide. The speed limits are reasonable. Uh, the traffic lights are a little long. They're like four minutes if you get stopped at a light. So you see people. Uh, on their phones quite a bit, but no, the the insurance rates are high because you we've got a huge blend in Pinellas County. We've got uh, many older people who've come down here to retire. 
You've got the young kids coming down for spring break at Clearwater Beach. You've got you've got, you know, the working class folks and then you've got the people coming down for spring break or spring training with a with the uh, Major League Baseball. Well, Dunedin's home to the Toronto Blue Jays spring training. So all of a sudden in the spring, you see people in Lamborghinis and and Maseratis driving around and then you get people from Central America, you get people from Germany, you get people from Canada. So they're all used to driving different ways. And it, it just... <laughs> and they all get thrown together. <laughs> they all get thrown together in, in insurance. Uh, I thought Connecticut was a pretty high insurance state for cars, but our, our car insurance doubled when we moved down here. It was crazy. Wow. That is an interesting problem that I would have no idea about. So let's go on and talk a little bit more about those challenges or problems of the area. What would you say if somebody was thinking about moving to the area? You'd say, mm, you probably should be aware of this. Well, you should be aware it's really hot. Um, probably from July through through September, certainly the end of September and into October. This year, it seemed to stick around a lot longer. So, so you got to get adjusted to the heat. I was told one of the nurses that I saw when I first moved down here and was finding doctors told me it took about a year, maybe because I was born in Minnesota, it's taken me a little longer to get acclimated to the heat. But I, so it, I've been here three and a half years and I just feel like I'm starting to get where I don't break out in a sweat as soon as I look out the window. <laughs> But so, so that's one of the challenges. Uh, if, if you like mountains, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, I know Pastor Rojas said uh, Orlando is a pretty high spot for the state. We, we picked the highest spot in the county to live, uh, mainly to avoid paying for flood insurance. And it's 32 feet above seawater. So um, if, if you're used to mountains like we were in Alaska, uh, you're going you're gonna to be disappointed. Um, I do like that there's no state income tax. But the other thing, the, the converse of that is housing costs in the county have really gone up. So many people are coming to the area. Dunedin used to be a well-kept secret. Not anymore. People love Pinellas County and, and they're snatching up every parcel of land and building something on it. So if, if you're looking to move here, be prepared to pay a little bit more than you might. Um, a lot of people, when I first looked at Florida as a possible place to live, we were attracted by the low housing costs. And then we looked in Pinellas County and we're like, well, this area of Florida doesn't fit into that paradigm. Okay, that makes sense. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Folks, if you like podcasts, you will enjoy Audible. It's a service that gives you a audiobook to listen to each month of your choice from a large library. And they want to get you started with a free trial offer that includes an audiobook that you get to keep. So go to lutherancartographer.com slash audible to get your free audiobook and start your free trial today. If you're not sure what book to check out, I recommend taking a look at Pastor Jonathan Fisk's Broken, Seven Christian Rules That Every Christian Should Break As Often As Possible. This was recently released on Audible. I'm very excited about it. In the book, Pastor Fisk goes through the classic pitfalls of moralism, mysticism, and rationalism, as well as several others. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com audible. Let's get back to the show. 
All right, let's go on and talk about what it's like to be Lutheran there with so many different types of people thrown together. Is there any sort of Christian ethos kind of from the Bible Belt, or is that pretty far north and doesn't quite get down to you? What, what's it like there? No, we're, we're there are so many different uh, Christian churches and denominations in the area. I pass, I think, five different churches. I, I live seven minutes from my parish, and I probably pass five different churches on the way in. The biggest is uh, a Baptist church, and there's a Catholic church right across the street from us, a rather small one, but there's a very large one within a half mile. There's a lot of Orthodox. Uh, Greek Orthodox is really big up in Tarpon Springs, which is the next town up from where I live. And they've got uh, a lot of uh, Greek. So we've got the Tarpon Sponge Docks, which is where uh, all those nice sponges that you find in Bed Bath and Body Works uh, are found. <laughs> but So that's pretty neat to see, but there, there's a strong Orthodox culture up there. But there's also a lot of Lutherans. So there's, I think, five LCMS congregations in the county. There's a there's a Wells congregation. There's several uh, ELCA, and uh, so so there's a lot of Lutherans around. But but what I found when I got to the church, though, is because all these people are coming from different areas, they bring their experience at their congregation from up north or Canada or wherever they're coming from, and they bring it to Dunedin, and they expect that the church in Dunedin is going to adopt, you know, whatever they did. So when I, when I first got here, I had a well-meaning person tell me, a uh, pastor, my, my wonderful pastor who ministered to me for 50 years up in Michigan, told no less than six jokes in his sermon, and um, I've counted, and you, you've come way far short of that goal, so you need to up the amount of jokes you tell. And so it, it was well-meaning, and uh, but so there's an expectation, perhaps, that um, this congregation is going to be the same as is what you had back north, and and it's not. It's um, there, there's there was a strong push to be involved with a lot of the other congregations. We host uh, on our property. We host a food bank that's managed by people from a bunch of the other congregations in the area, non-Lutheran. And so we work with them. Uh, there's a lot of hungry people here, just like anywhere else. And we work with them. But then there's an expectation when I got here that I would be involved in worship services with them. And I said, no, I can't do that. But uh, we're glad to help with the with social ministries. But we, we can't do the joint worship. And so after the initial shock of that wore off, um, people are fine. I see. So there was almost an expectation of a little too much melding together at, at points. Yes. Yeah. That, so uh, you see that a lot in the LCMS these days. We, we've tried to steal some of the things we like about evangelicalism and, and bring it into the Lutheran Church, uh, doing a lot of the things that you might see at a big um, megachurch. But now we're seeing the megachurches are struggling with problems, uh, just you look at Willow Creek and Bill Hybels and the problems he's had recently, and and you realize that maybe that's not the model we ought to be following. So my focus has been let's be as Lutheran as we can. Let's I've been I've been teaching the confessions. I've been te you know we so I've got three Bible studies a week. One 
is on the confessions, and we just were working our way through the different parts of the Lutheran confessions. I teach uh, another one on the books of the Bible, so we go through and just tear apart verse by verse each of the books of the Bible. And the third one is a topical. We, we take uh, topical things going on in the world today, and we look at them through the lens of the Lutheran confessions and scripture. And so it, th that one's really interesting because we, we look at things like uh, the riots in Seattle or Portland and other places over the, over the, uh, the you know, last summer, and, and we put them in a Lutheran context. We look at what it means to do justice, as, as Micah 6, 8 says. And, and so that's been really helpful for the members of the congregation. And I tell them, I, I just emphasize, if you want to be Lutheran, you, you're really going to have to understand what it means to be Lutheran. You're going to have to understand your confessions. You're going to have to understand Scripture because the world is going to attack us. And we're, we're starting to see that across the country. I think, I think some of that happened with COVID and some of that's going to take place. Uh, you see, see this HR 1, I believe, with, with a the so-called Equity Act, I think that's that's going after churches to a degree. So you got to be ready to, to stand your ground. Yeah, absolutely. Let's turn to the question of what it's like to raise a family there. You've mentioned your three children. What's it like to raise them in that part of Florida? Yeah, so my two oldest children are out of school, and one is in the Coast Guard now following um, he followed in his dad's footsteps for a little bit, but now he's a pilot and he's up in uh, Pensacola. And then my oldest daughter, she couldn't find meaningful work up in Connecticut. So she moved down here with us and, and got a wonderful job within uh, two weeks of moving to Florida. So for your younger children, there's our younger adults, there's a lot of economic opportunities in Florida. And I think our governor did a wonderful job this past year of not crushing our economy with with unnecessary shutdown. So uh, she's still employed. She's been fully employed and she's very grateful for that. Um, my my youngest son was just going into high school when we got down here. And so he was, we have him enrolled in Wittenberg Academy. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's an online Lutheran schooling and it starts at K and goes all the way through high school. And he's set to graduate next month. So so he's really enjoyed that. We've we've had him involved in community activities. There's a community choir. There's uh, any kind of support you can imagine. He can do it. Um, there, as far as Lutheran schools, there's uh, K through eight. Uh, several several congregations in the area have schools. Uh, the high schools, the public high school, we live in Palm Harbor, which is just to the north of Dunedin. They've got a, a world-class high school there, and it's really good. Uh, the other other local high schools, are they run the gamut. There's some really good ones and some not-so-good ones. But um, So you've, if, if you're stuck, you can't afford private school, there's, there's some decent uh, public schools there. Uh, interestingly, all the families, well, uh, the two largest families in our congregation, uh, they have 10 kids between the two of them. Uh, they both homeschool. And so they're, and we run a homeschool library out of the church with a, a lot of resources to help homeschoolers. And so there's that option available too. But they love it because it's, 
it's affordable. One, one of the nice things about living in Florida, especially near Tampa, is it's very cheap to fly down here because everyone, you know, everyone's coming down for spring break or uh, vacation in the winter. There's a lot of resorts. So the airlines are running a lot of flights. It's very affordable to fly down. So uh, grandparents and, and relatives can fly down and visit. We can fly up. Uh, we fly up to visit uh, my wife's family uh, every August to take a break from the heat and go up to New Hampshire a bit. Uh, my parents only live uh, a 12-hour drive away, so it's really easy to get here and get here and get away from here. So if you want to take the kids away to get away from the heat, you can do that, and it won't won't uh, destitute you. So that's really good. Let's turn to current events, and I want to ask you about Florida's response to the coronavirus. Uh, it has a reputation of being a lot less draconian than other places. But I was surprised I was there last week, and it surprised me the number of, of masks and uh, the number of masking requirements. What's it been like in Florida for you and for your congregation? So um, the governor, I think, has taken a very reasonable approach. He's He's trying not to put the heavy hand of the state on every community. And he's allowed local governments to come up with their own mandate. So when he lifted our mask mandate, the local county said, well, we're going to keep it in place. And so they've got a mask mandate in place in Pinellas County that requires masking in, in stores and libraries and government buildings and such. But at the, at the height of things, when a lot of churches were shutting down, I, I've got a just a terrific leadership at the church, uh, good faithful men and women on our board of directors, a wonderful group of elders. And we sat down and we prayed about this and we thought about it and weighed the risks. We decided that we were going to remain open. So we never we never stopped worshiping. Um, and I, I told the board, I said, look, I've got a call to preach and teach the word. And that's what I'm going to do. If no one shows up, that's fine. You know, if, if you've got to be safe and you don't, it, you know, we've got a lot of older people in the congregation and they're they're in the high risk category and many of them have stayed home. And I told them, you know, that that's fine uh, where we put services, we record our services, we don't live stream and they're available to watch. And we've we've tried to keep in touch with them and uh, through the mail and, and calling and checking up. We've got people assigned to do that. Um, so, so we've done that, but we never, never closed. Uh, I think the lowest attendance now in the spring, we normally have a, over a hundred people. We dropped down to 30 and 20, and then we bounced back a little bit when it looked like it was over in June, but then, then that second wave hit and we, we dropped down, but we, we averaged 30 at the, at the low point, And now we're back up to 60 and we started, uh, we, we did have members who are, so one of the one of the things with Pinellas County is they exempted religious organizations. They recognized. I I called and personally spoke with a county commissioner. I had a my elder head elder called. He he used to work for the county or or the state attorney general's office, and and so he had friends who worked for the county, and he called them, and they said, look, we understand that it's really important for people. Uh, during a crisis like this to be able to get to their houses of worship and to, to worship. So they, they left us alone. When on Good Friday, I was preparing our Easter bulletins and getting ready for Good Friday services, and a sheriff's deputy came to the door, and I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> they're coming to shut us down. And I, 
I went and I talked to him and he said, no, it's just a reminder that uh, you should you should have hand sanitizing stations and and, um, you know, stay six feet apart. And so we're like, yeah, we do that. So we've got a morning service and we ask people to respect each other's uh, space. And and they generally do. They, they try to keep six feet apart. We stopped passing offering plate. We did a lot of the stuff that other churches are doing. And we, we don't ask people, we don't make people wear masks at that service. We're singing, we're, we've got the, we started the choir up again in the fall uh, once things started to die down and it became apparent that um, it was safe to do so. And then we start, we have a service in the afternoon where we don't do any singing, where we ask everyone to wear a mask and, and we just are a little more cautious. And that'll, that's allowed many of the people who are are more concerned or more at risk to participate and continue to worship. And so our attendance is back up um, maybe about half or two thirds of what it normally would be, but it's recovering. So tell us a little bit more about the area. What would you say if you had a friend coming into town, oh, you got to go check this out, whether it's a place to eat, things to do, what would you recommend? Yeah, so when when I remember this because when we first got here, we had uh, the president of the congregation. He he drove for Lyft, so he he drove us all around, and and I thought of all the wonderful places that he took us. And uh, he took us the first place is like Strahan's Ice Cream. It's a wonderful little ice cream parlor downtown. Downtown Dunedin's really neat. They've they've turned it into like a walking area with boutiques, uh, art galleries, really good restaurants. Um, we, we ate a Bon Appetit, which is right on the water, so it, it overlooks the water, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, that's really neat. There's another uh, seafood, obviously, is good here. Uh, so the Rusty Marlin in Palm Harbor, that's really good. If you venture up to Tarpon Springs, to the Sponge Docks, uh, you got to eat at Hella's, which is a Greek restaurant run by uh, authentic Greeks. It's really good Greek food. Um, if you're down on Clearwater Beach, uh, I recommend the Palm Pavilion. It's set right on the beach. Go there for dinner and enjoy the sunset. It's um, it's fairly casual. You got people in there in their bathing suits and bikinis, and and other people in suits, and so it, it it's a pretty pretty neat thing. We got local farmers markets. Uh, we've got a, a it's called the Pinellas Bike Trail, and it runs. 30 miles from the northern part of the county to the southern part of the county. And there's some really beautiful spots. So you can get on there. Now, Florida's kind of dangerous for riding bikes because of the traffic situation, which we talked about earlier. But this bike trail is wonderful. It's wide. There's a lot of families on there. Uh, they, they limit the speed limit. So no one's racing up and down the trail or they, they're not supposed to be. And it's really, it's just beautiful. So that's neat. Uh, we were we went to some of the local parks, and there's one that's on some water, and they've got some docks, and you can walk out and you can watch the alligators, which is which is neat. You can do that in a safe way. Uh, hopefully, they're not in your swimming pool. Uh, of course, Clearwater Beach. We got we got professional sports. We got Major League Baseball. We got uh, you know the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. The Rays were in the World Series, and the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. So it, we got some really good quality sports. Uh, the Rowdies, which is uh, minor league soccer, they were they played in their championship too. So it, it was really a special year for sports in the area. So, and of course, um, I've mentioned Clearwater Beach, but we've got a Honeymoon Island, which is a state park, and the causeway out there is that's only uh, 
four miles from our house. I mean, we can we get out, we take a right, and we, we're straight down on the causeway. You can you can go paddleboarding, kayaking, uh, just lay out or, or go on the beach there. But if you go onto the Honeymoon Island, it's a state park. You pay to get in, and they've got some really nice beaches. They're they're not as crowded or as uh, the pure white sand like you get at Clearwater, but they're they're really neat. And you can there's hiking trails out there, and so that's kind of neat. Fantastic. So, Pastor Sorensen, as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like, your church's website, places to follow you online, where would you like to point our listeners? Yeah, uh, the best place to go is to the church's website, which is uh, faithdeneden.org. So faith, as you would spell it, and D-U-N-E-D-I-N.org. We, we've moved all our content there. We've got recordings of our services and any notes about uh, if, if there's something going on with worship. So all our COVID protocols were there when that was needed. Uh, we, we put a newsletter there. So if you want to find out what's going on, it, all the good stuff is there. Um, okay, fantastic. So what are your closing thoughts, Pastor Sorensen, for our listeners? I think Florida... Uh, I wasn't sure at first when I got down here, it can be kind of lonely because you come down and unlike the Coast Guard, when the Coast Guard moved us, we were in areas with other people our age, uh, other people in our social economic group, uh, and the Coast Guard kind of forced you all together. That's not necessarily the case with Lutherans in Florida, but there's a lot of us and they're they're hidden away and, and uh it's easy to get involved with them. We, we've partnered with some other churches with uh, young adults uh, because young adults in particular have a hard time. My, my daughter goes to work and she comes home and she's, I guess, one of her co-workers, uh, not a personal friend, but a co-worker is married to a Ferris wheel. <laughs> and so it, they, they've run into some really crazy stuff. But the church is a wonderful community. And, and so we work to, to find uh friends and activities and, and to break out of that uh, shelter, uh, it's break out of the, the air conditioning bubbles that people live in. And it's really neat. Our, our church is growing. We're adding young families. Uh, we're, we're really, we're going back to um, some excellent uh, Lutheran music. And uh, we, we've really, as I said, it, it's, it's a solid Lutheran worship service. If you know the Lutheran service book, uh, you'll feel right at home when you come to worship with us. Uh, there's nothing too crazy going on. And uh, and so that's it. We're, you're welcome to come down. I'm sure you'll fit in. It's a very friendly, inviting community. Um, it, it, Florida is very welcoming. And, uh, and I think you see that a lot of people. It, it was funny. I saw in the news this week, a guy from New York came down and he's like, the bad thing about uh, living in Florida, it's all open and free and everyone's having a good time, but it's it's living in Florida. <laughs> he wants to go back to New York City. I've lived in New York City. I, I love my two years in New York City, but it is so different than uh, than Florida. The people are different. Uh, they, they're a lot more open and, and welcoming. We get we got people from New York City come down and they love it and, and they're wonderful, but uh, it, it's a different culture. That makes sense. Thank you again for your time. God's peace. You're welcome. Yeah. Peace to you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page. It's at lutherancartographer.com slash 65. 
I encourage you to check out that Audible offer. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Get to try out their service and get an audiobook that you get to keep. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.